Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He's Aaron McIntyre. And you are you. We appreciate you tuning in no matter how you are doing so, where and when. We appreciate you giving us even a little bit of your very precious time uh, here on this radio program. We will do our best not to waste it. Three non-political questions coming your way. The return of a good friend of the show, Dr. Andrew Bostom, MD, Brown University epidemiologist, with the latest on what continues to be escalating, mounting, unavoidable, devastating data where the jab is concerned. We have to talk. I wanted to make sure we had plenty of time to talk about this. Gas stoves? No. This is, I, I've, I, how many times have I said this? The one chart to rule them all, the one data point. I mean, there's been, there's been like five of these the last couple of years, okay? Here is another. This is one of the most devastating pieces of data that I have ever seen. So we are talking about gas stoves. Since, since, <laughs> since, this, since this started... In March of 2020, this is one of the most devastating pieces of data I've ever seen. This is a chart from the St. Louis chapter of the Federal Reserve. It is, as Aaron said in his montage, statistics that come from the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They are who puts out the unemployment rate, first Friday of every month, etc. If you look at this chart, and here's what I think is so particularly damaging about it. Because, come back to me for a second, Aaron, then we'll go to the chart. Whenever we present this, these stark spikes, and we, we typically have done so within the context of things since 2020, or maybe even the couple of years before COVID. And whenever we present these spikes, I'm sure a lot of you have seen this on your own social media pages or conversations with friends and family members and coworkers. Um, well, that's just COVID. That's long COVID. That's just a, that's a new COVID variant. I, I had somebody emailing me, email me this week who works in the medical field, who has doctors telling him when he presents this data to them, that's just the latest COVID variant. And he asked me how to respond. And I said, you can simply just go to a, approximately 5,000 websites right now and get the latest COVID fatality data. Still, you can still do it fairly easily for both, for pretty much any nation on earth and any state in this nation. And, and what you will see is that COVID deaths have plummeted. That's, that, that's what I've been trying to get our governors attention about here in Iowa. I mean, I had, I had a guy who's a CEO of, of a bank in Iowa. Might be okay with numbers. At least I'm kind of hoping if he's a CEO of a bank, kind of no, no hoping he knows how to run numbers and look at data and run tables. I know what you're going to say, 
Steve, you've been paying attention. Maybe too much to ask. I know you're. I know Neil deGrasse Tyson was telling us yesterday that the jab, America's foremost celebrity scientist, that the jab stops the spread. I I know, but we're talking Iowa now, just where we live. Okay, in the same one of the same states left. Should we? Is it okay to assume that um, a CEO of a bank who used to sit on the board of the school you and I's kids go to might know a few things about how to run data? tables and numbers i'll allow it in this particular can we make an exception here i will okay he runs this these numbers for me and what he finds is through october our total excess deaths in iowa are well ahead of where they were in the years in the couple of years prior to covid how is that possible with the with glorious vaccine and their answer is always well that's long COVID or the latest COVID variant. So then I went to the next step and looked at Iowa's daily COVID death fatalities. And what I found is only once since March of last year did Iowa in a period of 280 days when he was running these excess death numbers. Only once in those 280 days did Iowa even have a single day with double figures in COVID deaths. That was July 10th. Only only that. And in that entire 280 day period he surveilled. So that wasn't it. I, I gave those numbers, all right? I gave that suggestion to this guy in the medical field. He came back at me and said, yeah, I, I shared that. And here's what they're saying now. They're now claiming that the COVID death numbers are underreported, that people are dying of COVID and it's, um, and it's not being attributed to them. So we've gone from how many people died of COVID and with COVID, the conversation of 2020, mm-hmm. all right, because they don't want to let go of the idol. This is a shibboleth of the damned, or as Todd likes to say, the magical power of vaccines working its black magic in this case. All right. This chart. So with all that said, that's what I think makes this chart so specifically devastating. Look how far out this data goes. This data goes out to 2009, so more than a decade, right? More than a decade of data. What you will see is from 2009 to 2020, that trend line looks pretty consistent. Pretty consistent. You have one massive dip there in 2014, massive as it compares to the rest of the trend line, I should say. Not massive compared to the trend line we have now, but massive as it compares to the rest of the trend line right right up to and then the the immediate years after that point. But then look, it pretty much other than that dip in 2014, this is a pretty consistent trend line of civilians. So non-military personnel, non-government personnel, civilians in the workforce who are reporting or missing work because of disability claims. All right, that's what this chart is. So you've got over a decade of data there, that, that trend line, if you're watching on Blaze TV or you're going to watch later today on Rumble, that trend line looks pretty consistent when you look at it, right? Yes. Nothing would alarm you. You might wonder, hey, what did we do so well in 2014 that we had this, you know, a somewhat precipitous dip in, uh, in, with the in disability issues and can we uh, maybe emulate that? But other than that, that'd be the only year. If you were in charge of monitoring this stat for the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, there wouldn't be much for you to bark at there other than what happened in 2014. Right. The, the rest of it would be pretty standard operating procedure, right? Right. And then we get to 2021. And this correlates to over 2 million. 
over 2 million more disability claims within the civilian workforce since 2021 than where things stood with this trend line going back to 2009. That's a multi-sigma event. We learned this phrase when we all had to learn how to study data and virology and immunology in 2020. We learned this phrase, order of magnitude, right? Where the decrease or increase is so stark and heavy, just putting a simple percentage on it doesn't do it justice, okay? So, there, so you slap on the, by an order of magnitude. For those of us that went to public school, that means by a hell of a lot, okay? That chart there, civilian disabilities, and that increase. What happened? What happened in 2021 that led to that increase? Not just any increase. A multi-sigma event order of magnitude increase. And with that chart staring you in the face, let me ask this question. If attempting to mandate a poison upon the populace with non-existent powers that were later found to be unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court, if that is not an impeachable offense for a U.S. president, what is? What is? I think you're setting the bar pretty low on impeachable for punishment, quite frankly. Well, ain't that the truth? After a fair trial. Of course. Of course. Of course, after a fair trial, of course. And by the way, an impeachment would be a, a fair trial. trial. There you go. Of course. Of course. But look at those numbers. Every American ought to be forced to see this chart today. Every last one. Every American. Like when you're trying to potty train your puppy and you can't make it, you can't make your point. So you rub its nose in its own poop. Every American should be confronted at that level with this chart. And I will tell you, your ancestors went to war with redcoats for a hell of a lot less than that. Yes, they did. For a hell of a lot less than that. Nothing even close to that. Nothing even close to that. Two million more disability claims since 2021. I suppose we could go with the argument that, you know, with, with three to nine months of shutdowns, depending on where you lived, a bunch of people just forgot how to work safely. And a bunch of people's OSHA standards weren't up to date and all kinds of claims and injuries occurred on the job. I guess you could try that one on for size. But then we would just go and see what, where the OSHA claims are at. There's no way out. Only willful and wanton ignorance. Only cognitive dissonance. There is no logical way out with data like that, that chart. That is evidence that demands a verdict. But it's evidence that more people need to see, gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, and it's deeply sad that I can't uh, provide you any uh, 
light on the horizon in terms of the edge of that chart that hey optimism 2023 let's hope for the best uh, and yes i still want consequences uh but hopefully hopefully we can return back to normal listen not only is this a specific poison in your body targeting uh your heart uh causing these died suddenly immediately but as mccullough Cole, people we will endeavor to have on in the uh, coming once again on the show have told you this isn't leaving your system. It is attacking your immune system. So not only are you playing Russian roulette every day on the myocarditis died suddenly front, but the long-term look of this isn't any better either. It's not going away. It's not going to just work itself out. It is crushing your immune system as you speak if you took this jab. And to Steve's point, if that if if that does not get you focused on the proportional justice required for this so that this doesn't happen to your progeny, I don't know what will. You know, I think most of the branch Covidians will see something like this and come back with what that spook from the UK had for the TV presenter and say, well, you know, because of the pandemic, not because of the lockdowns where you forced everybody to stay inside and stay away from the hospitals unless they had COVID and stay away from their screenings and stay away from all of their preventative care. No, but because of the pandemic, a lot of people, you know, missed all of those screenings and a lot of them just happened to be cardiovascular rise. We can't put that together two and two. It's just quinky dink. A lot of Grant Branch Covidians will come back with something like this. So you mean to tell me that all y'all who said if the lockdown saved just one life... You're now finally admitting, you're now finally admitting that that was not the way to go. Like you said, there's, it's inescapable here. Now, of course, that's just a fig leaf. That's just a fig leaf. We all know what happened at the beginning of 2021 and increased in frequency. Look, look, let me put this back up there too. Man. Just about three-fourths of the way through 2021, there's a huge spike there. And then it gets even higher after that. What was going on about, oh, August, September of 2021? Mandates. Hmm. Boosters. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. I know, gas stoves. Yeah. Climate change. Yeah. They're really trying this on us. This yeah. this was the plot of Mysterious Benedict Society. They're doing it to us. Someone needs to show this. If you know Donald Trump, someone needs to show this to Donald Trump. If you know Donald Trump, you want him to be president again. Think he should be president again. He has to see data like that has to see it. I know there's this assumption that he's just going to run and run into this buzzsaw where the jab is concerned. You buy a newer car, it has like collision alert on it, right? You know, if it senses the road underneath you is uncertain or um, you're too close to a vehicle or another vehicle is suddenly uh, swerving into your space, the collision alarm will go off so that you don't have to continue within the treacherous path that you're on. You can pause Take a look at, you know, what your surroundings and see if it requires a, you know, a hitting of the brake, a turning of the vehicle. You don't have, you don't have to commit to that action that you're being warned about. You don't have to. 
This doesn't have to end this way. It doesn't. It really doesn't. But if you know him, if you know people that do, that are in his orbit, that are close to him, frankly, I don't know many. And then most of the people in Trump world that I did know well are going to go work for Ron DeSantis. Okay? So if you, but if you do, anyone within the sound of my voice, can you do the country and him a favor and show him that, please? That's data from the St. Louis chapter of the Federal Reserve. They constructed that chart from data, I should say. They're the ones that did the chart from data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the feds. Show him that. It doesn't have to end like this. Because the Florida grand jury's coming. And I can promise you, I think they've probably seen that chart. And others. I think Dr. Joseph Ladipo down there, the director of health at Florida, think he's seen that chart? A couple of times. Probably a couple of times. More in a moment. All right, let's bring him in. Good friend of the show, Dr. Andrew Boston, MD, Brown University Epidemiology. Good to have you back on the show, Andy, brother. Happy New Year to you. How you been? Happy New Year to you, Steve. There is a lot I want to cover with you. First and foremost, Aaron, I, I forgot to ask you this during the break. Can we throw that chart back up there one more time? Andy, have you seen this chart? This is from the St. Louis chapter. They did this chart. The St. Louis chapter of the Federal Reserve courtesy of data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. These are civilian labor force disability claims within the last 16 years. And that's what I love about, look at the trend line here now, Andy, and and, and you know, as an epidemiologist, you know how to look at this data. Look at the trend line from 09 until 2020, except for a real improvement in 2014. That's a pretty steady trend line for more than a decade, right? Nothing that would alarm you. And then all of a sudden in 2021, look at this multi-sigma event that occurs. That's over 2 million more disability claims within the civilian workforce since 2021. Andy, can you think of a singular event or any variable that would have been introduced that might have caused such an incredible increase? Well, just... (laughs) There are there are a few candidates I could think of. Uh, you know, the the, the what we, we could argue just just to be fair, we could argue that uh, some of it is economic. Uh, people are 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 claiming disability uh, because they've lost uh, jobs. Um, uh, there's uh, there's a lot of health uh, fallout from from the COVID measures, from the lockdowns. Um, but also, of course, is, you know, is the possibility of, of, of injury uh, in there from from mass vaccination. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and some from recovery from COVID, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the idea is, though, Steve, is that none of those hypothesized causes should be verboten to explore. Exactly. I guess that would that would be the basic point. Exactly. You know? And when you get and the, when you when you get to the jab aspect of it, because you're right about all those other causes, that can create a perfect storm. But it's also hard to ignore within that 
escalating period that the escalation really takes off in the third and fourth quarter of 21 when the mandates and the and the first round of boosters kick in for for the for and the and the original variant that it was devised for is now extinct hard to hard to notice that whatever the trend line was until that point man it kicks into hyperdrive right around that window Absolutely, Stephen. Think about how this was attempted in sort of an ecological uh, observational study using uh, EMS calls in Israel, um, and 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 you know able to use more elegant kind of control where they couldn't really see the spikes in EMS calls, particularly I believe in those under forty um, during some of the COVID waves, but they but they could see them. After after the the introduction of, of primary series vaccination boosters, et cetera, you know, so so and 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 the paper was published um, in you know to to its credit, I think in 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 Nature, um, you know, and it, and it's just it, it's kind of a hypothesis generating uh, kind of kind of um, uh, publication data. Um, but a- absolutely, it needs to be discussed. I, I mean, the whole the whole idea is is to prevent. It, it, I'm sorry, is to present as much data as we can, offer some preliminary interpretation, and then start looking at you know at etiology, particularly if we're talking about vaccine injury, you know, and, and the prototypical injury, you know, that 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 has grudgingly become accepted is is, is myocarditis, um, and you know the the data are accumulating. Um, at the basic level, uh, I think I've been able to identify um, close to a dozen autopsies that have been uh, published. And, and the pathologists, you know, they're always guarded in their assessments. But I would say there's, there's unanimity in these, in these autopsies that have looked at, you know, sort of clinical events that really look like um, post-vaccine myocarditis and then um, uh, or, or have a su- suggestion of them. And these cases, you know, unfortunately, come to autopsy. Uh, there, there's again, there, there's there's about a dozen that are in the literature now, where the where the where the pathologists are, you know, that's that's they again, they're always guarded in their statements, but but they say that that's the most plausible explanation for for the demise is is uh, is is vaccine failed vaccine myocarditis. I'm sure both as an MD and an epidemiologist, you were concerned about the state of credibility of public health in the country as a whole, the lack of trust and increasing number of Americans have it as a whole. And, and you start wondering, is this a one-off here? Did, did, did the, the worries of COVID, um, the, 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 the allure of never-ending government funding through Operation Warp Speed, and the promise of uh, you know, uh, having regulators that many of them probably were already in the back, the back pockets of Big Pharma to begin with, but now you have the official kind of government wink and nod from the Trump administration to kind of look the other way, regulatory-wise, we got to move along, we got to end this pandemic as fast as right. we possibly can. All these, all these bad impulses kind of collude together um, simultaneously into this perfect storm. So let's go back to the very beginning. Like the the regulation process, the testing process, the surveillance process. I know you've been doing a lot of reading and research on this to to, to figure out, can we find the spot here? Is it just this technology? Is it the regulation? The the regulatory arms are flawed? Is the testing itself not sufficient? What did you find? I, you know, so obviously, you know, as someone who spent the better part of my medical career uh, organizing and conducting small to very large clinical trials. You know, I, I come I come with that background and, and, and with it, you know, a certain bias. 
So, but but what what I've been shocked to learn, uh, and I, 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 if someone can you know can edify me, I, I you know it's, it's it's an exhaustive literature since 1955. But I, I I believe the only the only randomized controlled trial that I can find that lives up to what I think should be the criteria for all of them. Uh, was the landmark 1954 polio trial. And it was, you know, it, it compared to what's happened since, I mean, you have to, how, how singular, how monumental it was, Steve. Just to give you a brief overview, essentially from April to June of, of uh, 1954, over 1. 1.8 million children 1.8 million children were enrolled in this trial, and it had a slightly complex design. There was a true placebo-controlled uh, portion of it, and then there was a, a number of just observational uh, controls. But it was a massive undertaking. By December 31st of 1954, it was over. The follow-up was over. Um, you know, and and who sponsored it? it was largely the Infantile Paralysis Society at the time, and 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 governments, local, et cetera, contributed to it. Um, and by 1955, a landmark paper was published in JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association. And what they found, Steve, was that, and again, because of the scale of the trial, they didn't have to worry about you know mild cases of polio, uh, serology for polio. The trial demonstrated with the, with the various control groups and the, and the actively treated groups when it was unblinded that the, the vaccination had prevented 374 cases of crippling polio. That's a trial. Hmm. That's something you can hang your hat on. Fast forward to the, say, 5 to 11-year-old uh, subsection of the Moderna trial, uh, I'm sorry, of the Pfizer trial that, that was performed. First of all, it was 2,300 children. They were five to eleven. They did. They did over recruit to their credit about twenty percent who had some comorbidity, mostly mostly obesity. What was the net result of that trial? Uh, it, they present. They prevented thirteen cases of sniffles. Not a single child in that entire cohort was hospitalized, whether they got the vaccine or the placebo. And in fact. There was a subgroup of about 10 percent or so that had a prior infection. They didn't even get the sniffles, regardless of whether they got the vaccine. You know, we had public health officials like Dr. Fauci uh, and Dr. Zha, uh, the dean of the School of Public Health here at Brown and, and now the COVID czar, literally comparing pediatric COVID vaccination to pediatric polio vaccination. Hmm. I, I, I mean, so and, and, and I guess the take home message I would have, have, Steve, is that that's the standard. Now, polio was a scourge. It was killing and crippling children. Um, but the resources were, were put into it, at least in, in terms of how the trial was was uh, implemented. Um, you know, in this day and age with with, you know, inflation and, and, and costs and, and, and big pharma, um, COVID perhaps gone and, and passed now was the one opportunity to reproduce a trial of this scale. And think of what we would have learned, even if it didn't have to be 1.8 million, uh, what, what, you know, if it, if, it was a, if it was a nursing home trial, because after all, they, they, they targeted children because that was the high-risk population. For COVID, the high-risk population was nursing homes, assisted living facilities. I mean, think, think in terms of a, of a scale even smaller than that, of, of, of a half a million nursing home United States uh, uh, individuals with, with a placebo-controlled design, 
we would have known, does this vaccine act in the highest risk population? Because that's how you limit you know, the total numbers that you would need. In this highest risk population, did the vaccine actually prevent hospitalization and death from COVID, period, end of discussion. And, and, it, would, and it would be clean. Then, then because, because again, the idea is that it should be a targeted vaccination program. Then you would have, if, if, if that were true, that it actually had prevented COVID morbidity and mortality in a, in a, in a clear cut way, then you, would have, then you would have said, okay, if we want to introduce, if we think this is important enough to do mass vaccination, we're now going to have to do a study because the populations, you know, are much lower risk beyond beyond the elderly, beyond those in in um, in congregate care. We have to do a much bigger trial and basically do the same thing. And and do the do the people outside the nursing home, do the people say, you know, under under seventy five, do they benefit as well? I mean, it, it, this, but but you see, Steve, this is not the model. I I, I mean, it's it's shocking to me. What's the, what's but the this benign is not the model for vaccine trials? They they don't they don't rely upon clinical outcomes. They Do- just don't. Doctor Boston, what's the benign innocent explanation for why they would not follow the paradigm that you just laid out? It's a look. It's a, I don't want to underestimate what was done in 1954. It's 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 miraculous. It, 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 you know. Um, it's it's extraordinarily expensive to do a, a, a proper trial on the scale you actually need to show clinical benefit uh, with with vaccines. Um, they also and they've gotten away with it, Steve. I mean, look at look at the history of influenza vaccination. People people scoff. Um, I think eventually they're going to get this way about the COVID vaccines, but uh, people scoff at flu vaccines, flu shots. And and you know they're they're they're, they're really the, the literature on them is quite clear. They're they're ineffective. They're just ineffective. They 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 don't seem to attach a toxicity you know to, to the vaccination, uh, and they haven't over over a long period of follow up. I mean there are some injuries, but they're not anything like what we're seeing with COVID. Um, but but the public accepts that basically they don't do much of anything. Yet they're still given on mass, Steve. And the one randomized controlled trial cohort, and it's small, the one randomized controlled trial cohort that was followed beyond, it's a very, it's a very interesting story because the original trial in the Netherlands actually showed, you know, during the, it very much like a COVID trial now, but smaller, you know, within the few, within the few months of the actual trial, uh, I think they reduced the infection rates by about 50%. Um, the, because the, the Netherlands system is so centralized and, and, and socialized, they, they were able to do 20-year follow-up of just that trial cohort that was in that flu vaccination trial. Well, and, and because it was small, it took so long to accumulate clinical outcomes. I mean, that's just the morbid reality of, of epidemiology and clinical trials, is you have to look at, at, at uh, you know, sad, tragic outcomes, hospitalizations, deaths, et cetera. None of the clinical outcomes on long-term follow-up were, were any different between the two groups, hmm. despite the initial, you know, finding and, mm-hmm. and and then and then that polyvalent vaccine, of course, got approved and became available. The long-term follow-up of that, you know, maintaining that randomized controlled trial cohort intact and doing long-term follow-up, there was no difference in mortality, all-cause mortality, no difference in flu mortality, no difference in respiratory disease mortality, no difference in cardiovascular disease mortality. Now, people will argue, well, what do you mean? You, know, you, you, you took this small cohort and you followed about 20 years. You know, what, what happened in between? You know, but that, but it, I, I, I accept that. That is, a, that is a limitation. But it's all we have, really, for, for, for flu vaccine. I've got 30, within I've, a randomized controlled trial design. 
I've got 30 seconds. What's the path forward here? What needs to happen next? I think this issue, this basic issue uh, of, of why uh, vaccines are given to the public, approved by the FDA without any benefit, clinical benefit, does, you know, does, does the hospitalizations by infectious disease, why are they actually reduced? Uh, deaths, are they actually reduced? Deaths takes much bigger trials, but but something very hard, Steve, we can't go, you know, in, for, with this transient period that maybe an infection is, is, is reduced or even worse, there's trials where literally it's just, you know, do you produce an antibody? This is not what we accept for drugs in this day and age. Mm -hmm. Drugs, as bad as drug trials are, they, they have to, a new diabetic agent has to show a, re, a reduction in hospitalizations for diabetes or even in, in, because it's such a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, even a reduction in cardiovascular disease. A, a, you know, a lipid lowering drug, the same thing is demanded. Um, a heart failure drug, the same thing is demanded. Does it actually prevent hospitalizations for heart failure? Um, I, I, it's just incredible that, that this is not the, it built into these trials of vaccines, that they have to show a benefit in terms of hard clinical outcomes. Realize what he just said there? It's not a given that they have to show that before they are injecting them into you now. This is not my shock face, Steve. Dr. Andrew Boston, MD, Brown University. Good to see you again, brother. All right, we'll have you Take back. Care, you bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Reaction to what you just heard. Aaron, I'll go to you first this time. It is bordering on now, and it has been for quite some time, but especially now. We've talked about this the last couple of days. Every stinking day, we see something new like this chart from Bureau of Labor Statistics. Another person, another young person, perfectly healthy, drops dead. It's bordering on inconceivable. Inconceivable. Why why people just continue to bury their heads in the, in the sand. And then you read the Old Testament in Israel, and then you realize there is no depths to which we could sink, to which some people will still not soften their hearts. I said off the air the other day, it just seems like since the start of the year, this thing has kicked up a notch, or two, or three. The evil that has been perpetrated here will only will only be held accountable with equal or greater will to hold it accountable. Hmm. And right now, with very limited exceptions, and they are encouraging exceptions, and they are courageous exceptions, I don't think there's enough of a will right now to hold that accountable, at least to humble people, at least to humble ourselves and say, yeah, we gotta, we gotta change course here. I pray that's wrong. But so far, I don't see it. I got to get this in really quick. Please make sure when they come to remove the gas stove from your house, <laughs> that the technician is fully vaccinated. Great place to end it. We'll come back hour two, Theology Thursday. We'll kick it off next. But. When all of our sources for medical information have an agenda to spin us, yeah, you wind up with a badly misinformed population, including on the left. Liberals often mock the Republican misinformation bubble, which, of course, is very real. But what about liberals? You know, the high information by the science people? 
In a recent Gallup survey, Democrats did much worse than Republicans in getting the right answer to the fundamental question, what are the chances that someone who gets COVID will need to be hospitalized? The answer is between 1% and 5%. 41% of Democrats thought it was over 50%. Another 28% put the chances at 20 to 49%. So almost 70% of Democrats are wildly off on this key question and also have a greatly exaggerated view of the danger of COVID-2 and the mortality rate among children. All of which explains why today the states with the highest share of schools that are still closed are all blue states. So if the right-wing media bubble has to own things like climate change denial, shouldn't liberal media have to answer for How did your audience wind up believing such a bunch of crap about COVID? Texas lifted its COVID restrictions recently, and their infection rates went down, in part because of people getting outside to let the sun and wind do their thing. But to many liberals, that can't be right, because Texas and beach-loving Florida have Republican governors. But life is complicated. I've read that the governor of Florida reads. (laughs) But apparently the governor is also a voracious consumer of the scientific literature. And maybe that's why he protected his most vulnerable population, the elderly, way better than did the governor of New York. Those are just facts. I know it's irresponsible of me to say them. And this is the thing that is now so alarming to me. You can imagine a public health authority that was arrogant and that thought it understood things way better than it did and it thought it had a plan and it maybe it dreamt that, you know, by deploying these novel vaccines that would surely be the basis for many future successful vaccine campaigns against other pathogens that they would be heralded as heroes, right? You could imagine hubris causing people to deploy this and then discover that it didn't work and it hurt people. But at the point that we're seeing an undeniable pattern of damage And we know that that damage is disproportionately experienced by younger people and that the risk of COVID is disproportionately to the old. The idea that it doesn't stop, the idea that it doesn't turn around and say, well, the vaccines are good. Let's give them to people over 65. If you're over 40 and you want one, you can have one, but we're not going to vaccinate anybody young because the the risk-benefit ratio doesn't make sense. The fact that it doesn't do that means, I think, that somehow whatever is driving this policy is absolutely comfortable with the death of other people. How could it not be? I mean, how could you recommend these mRNA vaccines for children who are not, at least at the moment, vulnerable to COVID? How could you do it?
All right, Wayne Allen Root, welcome to the show. The Root, the Root, the Root is on fire. Uh, and then I want to read you, I want to read you this story. Mother blames COVID vaccine and government after son develops blood clots in his brain. Nine days following the vaccine, son now has more clots and a damaged heart. When you hear this, if you are willing to give your children the COVID vaccine, you are a moron. You're an incompetent fool. You're the worst parent in the world. How anyone could do this. It was that old joke. I think it was Donald Trump Jr. that told it. And he said at Halloween, if, if, you, if a guy opened the door and your child reached into a jar of 100 candies and the guy told you 99 are fine, but one candy is laced with poison and your child will die a horrible, painful death. Their stomach will bleed internally and they'll bleed to death in agony. Would you let your child reach in on the one out of 99 or one out of 100 chance, 99 chance, it's fine, and 1% chance they're going to die a horrible death? Would you let your child reach in? No. So who would let their child get the COVID vaccine when you know what it could do to you? Listen to this story. A mother in Draper, Utah, broke her silence and revealed that her healthy son developed blood clots in his brain nine days after receiving the experimental mRNA COVID vaccine. Nearly a year later, another blood clot formed in his right leg and moved to his lungs. Sherry Romney, is everyone in Utah named Romney? Sherry Romney revealed that her son Everest was taken to the ICU with blood clots in his brain in April 2021, nine days after receiving the COVID vaccine. Medical records state that the blood clots were an adverse reaction to the vaccine. Everest is six foot nine, he really is a Romney, and was a basketball player prior to the incident. You all know someone this happened to. Just like my son, it's not as rare as people think, she said. It is true. It is not misinformation. Happy to share his medical records with anyone who wants to see for themselves. The vaccine has altered his life path forever. He's lucky to be alive today, but his life will never be the same. In 2021, everyone who talked about this had their social media pages frozen. We need truth in reporting these events. It is not rare, and it happened to us, she continued. Mrs. Romney said if she had listened and followed the doctor's advice, her son would not be alive today. Just as I say all the time, the doctors, I used to respect doctors. Oh, my God. It's an MD. He's got a white smock on. He's got a stethoscope. He graduated Harvard Medical School. He's a genius. I'm a dummy. Listen to everything he says. That's what we all used to think. Now I look at the Harvard graduate doctor and I think, what a moron. He took the vaccine. He'll be dead in the next one to three years, and there's going to be no doctor left. What a moron. She said, if I had kept quiet and listened to the doctors at first, Everest would not be alive today. While they admit now they were wrong in the beginning, the resistance to even checking him for the blood clots was immense. Had we not persevered against them, there would be a very different ending to this story. Then she gave an update on January 3rd. So that was just a week ago. She said Everest has developed another blood clot in a deep vein in his right leg. And doctors confirmed that his heart was still damaged uh, due to the vaccine. 
Just, just left the emergency room today. Everest has another blood clot, a deep vein in his right leg. They've confirmed his heart is still damaged, referred to a cardiologist. More to come about his heart, as it seems the damage from the inflammation may be permanent, never mind the effects of the traumatic brain injury he still deals with on a daily basis. Mrs. Romney went on to blame the mRNA COVID vaccine and the Biden administration for suppressing information about the vaccine's risks. She says, thanks, COVID vaccine. Thanks to the U.S. government, my former six foot nine basketball player is no longer a basketball player, and he's back on blood thinners starting tonight. So glad I was doing the, quote, right thing and protecting him from COVID. Bummer that the lies about this have altered his life forever and almost killed him. Ironically, COVID never even made him sick. On Thursday, January 5th, Everest was back at St. Mark's Hospital and admitted for the night for observation. This poor kid. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being a healthy six foot nine basketball player? Handsome kid. Whirled by the balls, as they say. And now your life is ruined and you didn't do anything. Your mom just sent you to a doctor and said, let him stick that needle in. And you said, OK, mom. And you did it. The government gave it the seal approval. The CDC gave it the seam approval. And now you're dying, a dying old man at the age of 17. Mrs. Romney gave another sad update. She said Everett's deep vein thrombosis had moved to his lungs. He's got multiple pulmonary emboli. Tomorrow he sees a hematologist and a cardiologist, hopefully home soon. According to Mrs. Romney, doctors don't know how to stop the effects caused by the vaccine. We know the cause. It's just that the COVID vaccine is such an unknown. The doctors don't know how to stop the effects once the vaccines have put everything in motion. It's more about managing the symptoms because the damage can't be undone. She described her son as a tough kid and a good man. Wow. We all pray for a fast recovery for Everest Romney. But you and I both know there will not be. The odds are very strong. There will not be any fast recovery. He is damaged for life. And who knows if he'll live to see 19 or 20 or 21 years old. Is he ever going to have children? Is he ever going to get married? Is he ever going to reach the old age of 30? Doesn't look good. We've destroyed the young people of America with the COVID vaccine. All right, the roots, the root, the roots on fire. Wayne Alaroo coming to you from the house that Root built here in Las Vegas, Nevada. So, uh, supermodel Tatiana, uh, Tatiana, I guess that's how you pronounce it, Tatiana Patit is dead at 56. We don't know why. Uh, no cause of death was mentioned, but she looked fine in photos from just a few weeks ago. I heard through the grapevine that uh, Diamond of Diamond and Silk was on a rumble uh, a podcast four days before she died saying she took the vaccine and she regretted it greatly. And four days later, she was dead. We don't know the vaccine did it to her. We don't know the vaccine did it to supermodel Tatania Patisse at age 56. Diamond was age 51. We just know lots of people are dying. The numbers are exploding all over the United States. We know a second high school student has died in Las Vegas in a week after suffering cardiac arrest. Jordan Brister, 18 years old passed away Sunday suddenly and unexpectedly after suffering cardiac arrest after gym class with no explanation why 16 year old basketball player suffers stroke uh, while in school 16 year old Odessa Montour girls hoop standout suffered a stroke this is uh in uh, Rochester, I guess Rochester, New York, I'm assuming. It says she's Strong Memorial Hospital in Rochester. That's either going to be in Rochester, New York or Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, but in any case, 
Uh, the family has major medical bills. They've got a GoFundMe campaign. She had a blocked artery causing her to have a stroke. You ever heard of a 16-year-old with a stroke? I never have. And here's the good news. The world is waking up. Breaking news. Marjorie Taylor Greene, congressman from, Republican congressman from Georgia, has called for an immediate investigation into the surge of sudden deaths across the world. Wow. First congresswoman to say something about it. And the dam really is breaking. Major polls suggest even Democrats have lost trust in the safe and effective narrative. 33% of Democrats nationally believe someone they know may have died from the side effects of the COVID vaccine. It's a new Rasmussen poll. 33% of Democrats believe someone they know may have died from side effects of the COVID vaccine. And then, you know, again, every one of these could be the lead story of the show. Every one is more interesting and exciting and unique than the rest. Here is a, a new story. This is so amazing. Uh, Any messaging you want, Facebook asked the Biden administration for talking points after the FDA vaccine blood clot warning. They went to the government and they said, any messaging you want, Mr. Biden and the Biden administration, tell us what to say after the FDA gave a vaccine blood clot warning. And the government's probably said, don't say anything. Make believe it never happened. My God, it's mass murder. This is propaganda on a scale that would only make Hitler and Stalin happy. They'd make them blush. Bernie Madoff wouldn't believe anybody could get away with this. That's why this new landmark lawsuit from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and multiple other plaintiffs slapping the media with an antitrust lawsuit for censoring any COVID-related content against the COVID vaccine as misleading. They tried to stop us and silence us all. Just go around.